Yeah, 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 bud. Yeah, bud. The Joe Blow Horror Show, where we rate, discuss, review, and break down horror movies, not horror films. It has been a minute, and we... It hasn't been a minute. Tibu, did you know why? Because I still haven't put out, as of now, the first leg of the trip. But... It's been a... It's been a minute since uh, since we fucking released anything at this time. Yes, <laughs> yep, and recorded. It's been a hot minute. Spring is upon us. We are no longer freezing our nuggets off. We're sweating our balls off in the old man garage. So we are. We're, I'm excited. I know Tibu's excited. We're we're glad to be back. We've got so much planned for upcoming episodes and our new summer franchise review which stay tuned because i think tibu is going to be surprising us at the end with that but without further ado i am not here alone that voice you heard that deep thunderous voice that somehow bellows out of a five foot two swamp donkey man down in louisiana hogzilla himself working out of draven ohio i don't know i'm thinking thinking the crow draven I'm not yeah. really what's up tibu hey man um you almost got my height correct you chopped me down only two inches this time i'm five foot four for the uh the any new listeners out there yeah uh thank you though for that that voice that vocal compliment i appreciate that mm-hmm. i'm trying to be a little extra charcoal and bourbon-y tonight with the the dosset tones but yeah i'm sweating my balls off too um it's you have to acclimate, you know, after it's been cold for so long, even the mid eighties can feel like fucking desert heat. So it hasn't been too hot really, but not as hot as over there. You said it hit the fucking nineties. That's some Louisiana shit. Mid nineties. And I think uh, Thursday, I want to say it was like 96 or 97, which is kind of insane because our highs before that the previous week were like in the sixties, maybe the seventies. And I've got, viking blood in my veins i'm, I'm a northern creature i don't have this I, I just can't handle the heat it sucks i hate it it's all right because tonight we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and cool off um we've got two films that we need to talk about uh an old and a new as tradition mm-hmm. as keeping with joe blow tradition we have tonight the borrower from 1991 and we have Skull the Mask from 2021. So two movies set 20 years apart, right? 20 years? Oh, 30 years. Come on, math wow. guy. There you go. I'm not the math guy. Right. <laughs> Don't. <laughs> no, you have proofs in the, in the fucking miscalculation pudding right there. Um, no. Oh, my favorite. And both of these movies have a similar theme. Yes, they do. It, yeah. 
so uh, we'll we'll get to that. But before we get to these films, I think we need to tell everybody before, where they can find us online. Yes. Oh, yes, yes. I thought I thought you were ready to close the RV doors up and head up to the mountain, but we're not mm. there yet. Yes. Where where can our loyal loyal listeners find us? Get some awesome news. Check in with us. Contact us. Chat with us. If you're new to the show and you're not following us already, hop on Facebook, go search out the Joe Blow Horror Show. Boss Tuna's always posting some news, as he said in there, something fun. Same goes for the Slasher app. This is the horror-oriented uh, social media application that you can download to your streaming or your to your smartphone and stream all that good horror, you know, that horror deliciousness. There's a lot of fucking other cool people on there. Also. We're on Instagram at Joe Blow Horror Show. All of these just at Joe Blow Horror Show. And I believe Twitter as well. You still doing the Twitter thing? Yeah. I just I just started for the uh, the nightclub. I just started using it. I hate Twitter. Twitter's my least I, favorite by far, yeah, but yeah, it's I'm boring. on it. I pretty much will only post like new episode stuff on Twitter, whereas everything else I will kind of post updates especially on facebook i'm always sharing news articles and whatnot on facebook so yeah and if you want to you know peep my other show that i'm on uh it's called the nightclub you can find the nightclub on all the same social medias and it's usually at the nightclub podcast so you know check it out you might yep. dig it you might dig it like a grave many many friends and fans of the show have trickled and wandered over into the nightclub territory so oh and and uh let's not forget this fun arena of uh interaction and hilarity the joe blow horror show discord oh search, yes search it out on discord if you don't know how to search it send us a fucking uh, message on one of those socials and we'll we'll get you a link come join yeah. the fucking the horror and the hilarity very active Daily, there's stuff being posted, conversations, chats, news. Discord's probably where I would, out of all of our socials, I'd encourage you to check us out on Discord because that allows you to be a part of the conversation. So Yeah, you actually get to interact with us along with uh, some other fun podcasters and friends. Yep. For show. She's a hoe for show. Hey, Tibu, did you leave enough uh, uh, room in your trunk? Because I'm going to put my bike in it, and we're going to head up the mountain in the RV here. Yeah, man. Let's go. We got we to get to the fucking overlook. Yep. Lloyd's before there. Before it snows in. <laughs> yeah, fuck that. Get there before. We don't need to get fucking trapped. I don't feel like being trapped tonight. My favorite bartender of all time, Lloyd. Nice seeing you here. And what do we have on tap tonight? Well... Tibu, I'm gonna let you go first there, bud. What 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 is what is Lloyd gonna mix up for us? I've got two beers on tap tonight. Uh, yeah, I think these are both some Ohio brews, um, if I'm not mistaken. We've got first up Phantom Forest Imperial IPA from Mad Tree Brewing. Ah. Uh, this is it's decent it's a decent ipa it's kind of juicy it's really strong eight percent by volume and where is matry out of hmm. i don't see it on the can 
Oh, yes, Cincinnati, Ohio, bitch. Brewed and canned in Cincinnati. So here in Cinny City. Mm, very I've nice. never been there. I've never been there myself, but um, from what I can tell, people seem to like it. They also like Cleveland. Uh, I, I just, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna go on a slight tangent for a second and say that it kind of pisses me off that people don't call it Cleveland. They just always call it like Cleveland. <laughs> and I never thought about, version. yeah, I never thought about how cool the name was either until uh, today because it just sounds kind of bullshitty. Uh, but it's like it's cleaving. You're fucking hacking shit up, you know, like a slasher. Uh, why, why don't you tell the folks, yeah, for those that don't know, Tibu works on the road and, and you are uh, somewhere out in Ohio, correct? Yeah, yeah, I'm in Dorset, Ohio, and yeah, for my job, I, I do construction civil work in the telecommunications industry. I'm, I'm giving all you bitches that 5G bump across the, the, the whole nation, so don't come at me with a shotgun, all right? Be thankful. Um, also, Cleveland, what is it? Cleveland? It reminds me of Howard the Duck underrated shitty ass 80s classic film i've also got since he made so also brewed in cincinnati rheingeist and their truth indian pale ale so two ipas here tonight this one i had already being uh, when i was up here and i gotta say this shit is is really good it's a little bit weaker but not by much 7.2 percent and the can the can unlike the other one reads Rare are moments of truth when you struck the last match, belting out tunes with your friends, staring deep into the campfire, times when you feel infinite. Our truth is found in the uh, scintillating brilliance of hops. Brewed with a nod to the Pacific, hops sizzle with tropical fruit and the aroma of grapefruit and mango notes along with a dry finish or accompanied with a dry finish. Damn. This this thing's pretty tasty. It's pretty tasty. So that's what I've got on deck tonight. Um, Lloyd is pouring me a, a deep ass glass. What's he and serving you? Coming. What's he serving me? So I gotta give a shout out to my friend, Tibu's friend, Grindhouse Zombie. I always give him shit for drinking Coors Light, but I worked outside all day today and I was sweating like a nun at a cucumber farm. And the first beer I cracked when I was getting, I smoked a pork butt, sat down. I had a couple Coors Lights. So I was thinking of Grindhouse. Make sure you check out the last show he was on with us when we covered Leprechaun 4 in space. It's in spider. <laughs> but what I had shipped up here, especially Lloyd knows me. He knows, he knows that I'm into Barntown Brewing locally here out of Des Moines, Iowa. And I had him uh, uh, ship up a couple for me, and it's a Fruity Fest necklace. It's a pretzel salad sour with pretzels, strawberries, whipped cream, and cream cheese flavor. This is a... What in the fuck? Yes. It's, it's Say a Say that again, please. Fruity Fest necklace, pretzel salad sour, brewed with pretzels, strawberries, whipped cream, and cream cheese. What in the fuck yes. does that taste like? I will let you know. I'm excited. I'm I'm Holy. finishing up. I'm finishing up uh, one right now, and I will crack that one, and I will be sure to fill you in. So, anything before we hop out of the no. grand ballroom? 
they, 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 there's this little kid riding around here on a fucking big wheel. I, I'm, right. I'm not about these shenanigans. I'm not about yeah. them at all. It's yeah. thunderous every time he's not on carpet. It's thunderous. Yeah. It, the bathroom needs some tending to, for sure. I was looking for one of those switches that's like flip if it needs cleaning. Um, it looks like someone cut themselves shaving, so I hope they get that <laughs> taken care of. Bloodborne diseases, right? Yeah, you, you can't be. <laughs> you can't have that. Let's get the fuck out of here. is hot again. Isn't that something? Now, from the critically acclaimed director of Henry, Portrait of a Serial Killer, comes The Borrower, a new kind of horror film. There ain't nobody gonna believe this. An alien serial killer from another universe comes to Earth. You are weird. Weird. It's a monster. And Ray Don Chong is the detective who must find him. Oh, my God. Not since Reanimator has there been such a movie. The Borrower, the ultimate head trip. Kind of cute. Kind of. John McNaughton's The Borrower. Okay, we are back in the Winnebago slash RV, and we're <laughs> pulling up to the drive-in. The, the drive-in, this, this uh, uh, episode happens to be in Colorado. And we are going to check out our first feature, which is The Borrower, 1991. This is rated R, 92 minutes. Tibu, what do you think this got on the B? Oh, God. Um, 2.7. Um, try 5.3. That's higher than I would have definitely thought. <laughs> yep. What about, what about Rotten Tomatoes? I'm still going to stay in the lows, man, because I, I, I'm going to even do it again. 2.7. I'm going to say 27%. Close. 30%. A lot closer. Okay. What uh, about a budget for this? <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, okay. Let me not get into some of the specifics that I noticed, but man, if this movie had a budget of a million dollars, I'll be blown the fuck away. Double that. 2 million. Okay. Okay. Wow. I guess I could see where some of it went, to be honest. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, this is still a low-budget film. It is. It is. Almost it looked is. shot on shittio, to be honest. <laughs> I think a lot of the budget went into the practical effects. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and there were the, some actors in there, too, that probably took a decent... Those were the specifics I wasn't going to really get into yet, uh, yep. especially regarding the special effects, but I was surprised, and you're going to mention this, I'm sure, to find out who the director was. Yeah, yes, that's right. This was directed by John McNaughton, and he's he's very, very well known. He did this after um, Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. So That's what freaked me the fuck out. Like, yep. um, after doing the film and looking up uh, some of the cast, after after watching the film and looking up some of the cast, I saw... I clicked on John McNaughton's name because I'm like, that sounds familiar. And I'm like, fucking Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer? What the fuck? Like, talk about two totally different styles of film. Um, that Yeah, so 
and I'm not sure what else what else he's done, but so that was he, enough for me to yep. be. Yes, he also did Wild Things uh, as well too. So that was a movie that reminded me of my childhood. The the very iconic picture of the two chicks in the in the water. I don't remember much of it, but I remember that was kind of a racy movie to be watching as a as a kid. I guess so. I never I never saw it, but I do know. I think the, it's Nev the, Campbell. The yeah, uh, and Matt Dillon, I think. Yeah, who's maybe it? I can't remember. But ah. so John, uh, John McNaughton, yeah, this was written by Mason Nagy, who literally, I think this was like his only project really starring Ray Don Chong as Deanna or, or Pierce or whatever, detective Pierce. Uh, she was in commando. Yeah. Um, she was in just a ton, a ton of B movies, very, very, a lot of low budget ones as well too. This had this had a lot a lot of actors. Don Gordon uh, played Charles. He was in Exorcist three. One of the most notable names I saw in here, at least for myself as just a horror fan in general, is Tom Towles. So you remember him, don't you? No. Tom Towles. He was he was Bob. He was um, in Night of the Living Dead. He was uh, Harry Harry Cooper. Oh shit! Okay, yeah, yep, yeah, yeah. Yep, he was the the dad, uh, the hunters that found him first. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's also he, he's in a ton of movies. He's in a lot of Rob Zombie ones, House of Thousand Corpses, Devil's Rejects, H uh, One. God bless Rob people. Zombie, man, for always resurrecting some of these actors yes. and actresses. Yes, for sure. And then the last one, Tony Amendola, he played Doctor Cheever, and. That's a fun scene. We'll, we'll talk about that here in a minute as well, too. But one little thing I have, because this did come off the heels of Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer, which it's a legit movie. I mean, it's a it's a film. Yeah. Yep. So this, this was not... I, I thought was was kind of cool. So this is I'm quoting uh, John McNaughton here. When I got the script for The Borrower, I was broke and I got sent bad script after bad script after bad script. And then came The Borrower. <laughs> which in some sense also was a bad script, but the conceit that this creature takes the heads off of people and somehow occupies their lives. To me, it was like a metaphor for what actors do that gave me something to take hold of other than just the monster that jumps up from behind a tree to scare and eat you. Yeah, I could see that, man. I mean, I could see the metaphor, but that he's stretching that to make, to make an artistic fucking, you know, statement about this movie. Uh, in no way would I would I have weaned that from from watching this this right. thing, but I, God bless him, he made it, and this movie deserved to be made. That it did. All right, Tibu, tell me, had you ever heard of this movie before I chose it for us to review? No, no, and and I think we established that possibly in episode, maybe not, maybe after we were off off the the mic. Mm-hmm. I had, I got this confused with a different film. Yes. And uh, having having to, I had to find it because you can't just find this movie. It's not you can. I think you could rent it off YouTube. Um, but yeah, and and Amazon Prime. Oh, Prime. There. Okay, yeah. but I saw the premise, and I was like, "All right, this sounds fucking interesting." Um, <laughs> so no, I had never heard of it. This is a first time watch. Yep, I. So this movie, I my buddy that I always talk about. We were having a conversation and apparently we watched this in college. I don't really remember it. A lot of the times we would come back from the bar 
and we were a lot of the time just crushing vodka Red Bulls, or I guess it'd be monster Red Bulls or monster vodka, yeah, whatever. You know what I'm saying? God damn, y'all so, were mixing energy drinks together. Y'all oh, must yeah. have been fucking jacked. <laughs> Wired. Do you uh, even stay up, bro? <laughs> Do you even drink monster, bro? But we were talking about it, and I'm like, golly. And I looked at it, I was like, you know what? I it's been so long, I don't remember it. So that is why I chose this one here. But I guess let's give our listeners a little synopsis here. Aliens punish one of their own by sending him to Earth. The alien is very violent, and when the body he occupies is damaged, he is forced to find another. Not the best synopsis, but if you are new to the show. Fear not, because we are going to spoil the shit out of this. So, Tibu is well, going to bring us. Go ahead. I was going to say. I was going to say. I think that's a pretty decent synopsis. I mean, that's that's basically what the film is, man. Like you, you nailed it, it right is. there. It's it is. There's. We'll talk about that at the end too. There's there's a lot going on with this. So, Tibu, why don't you uh, bring us in and let's start uh, reviewing, breaking down, and talking about the Borrower from 1991. film opens with a man and a giant talking humanoid insect and they're in the middle of this pure white void that turns out to be a spaceship this threw me off when i was first watching it um but i was immediately intrigued the man has been genetically devolved from this insect-like appearance and now he has the facade or the the facade of a human he's sentenced to live out the rest of his days on a savage little planet known as earth for being a murderer, I think that's what the insect yes, said he ser- was. Ser- I think they said serial killer, actually. Yeah, very so, vicious serial killer because death would be too kind of a punishment. <laughs> oh fuck, yeah, you gotta go live on fucking earth. Give me a break, man. Yeah. I'd rather that than die. But anywho, the, the creature warns him, the insect creature flying the craft warns him that the process of being devolved is still flawed, so this isn't going to prove a light sentence. And then we get the title card of the borrower. Uh, immediately, immediately when I was watching this, this opening scene captured me fully. I want to say that the insect creature, mm-hmm. despite this being low budget, the way it was sitting and like whatever it was holding to fly the craft, all of it looked, I know this is going to sound weird, but it looked like a painting, man. Like I was like drawn into it really hardcore maybe we have some fucking ancient ancestral insect aliens that, you know, keep dropping their motherfucking criminals off over here. That's what Australia is now to me. It's just a, a whole <laughs> continent full of these insect people. I, that's kind of what it started out as is a whole continent full of, full of uh, criminals, yeah. essentially. Yeah. That's, that's one thing too, that if, if you didn't know before you watched the movie, it was, you, you could tell it was done and shot by someone that was pretty good at his craft a lot of what tibu was saying with the scene and the camera angles and the in the opening i guess between the quote-unquote human alien and the actual alien mm-hmm. is one of those where this was 1991 but it was low budget and they they used what they could to their advantage so you know they didn't focus on one thing too long there the cuts and edits were were done pretty well earth a father and son are sitting in a car at night sort of drunk hunting when the insect alien and the fake human touch down in a beam of bright light the father freaking out 
shoots the insect man after a fight breaks out because uh you know the human insect is like fuck this shit i don't you know i'm not gonna just be left here i'm gonna fucking kick your ass and steal your ship so he flees and soon after the fake man punches the father a like a clean 20 feet through the fucking air and then begins to mutate and transform then his head explodes boom fucking awesome let's the- let's talk about that for a hot second here because oh. <laughs> uh, okay i thought you were gonna say hold on because it's oh, kind of ironic <laughs> you were talking about doing scanners and it's coming it's yes. coming it's yep yeah and, and i was not thinking a, like this not there's... not only that but spoilers the opening of our next film has something similar going on in it so yep. yeah it, it, yes. we, and we pick, we pick these movies at random listeners like we don't plan this so whenever whenever we have these sort of thematic or visual overlaps or whatever you want to call it that to me is like uh synchronicity man that's just the universe is helping us push this show out you know the exploding head scene in this criminally criminally underrated the body horror the practical effects phenomenal as soon as i saw that exploding head i was like okay okay i see where this budget went to done extremely well if not one of the best in the business i think i I think at this point too because i was already drawn in with that opening shot of the them inside the white void spacecraft that looks really fucking stupid whenever you see it from the outside uh flying towards earth it's terrible but in a in an awesome cheesy way it's terrible so this exploding head, yeah, that I was I was now fully glued to to watching this. The dad, after seeing this, sends his son to go get their friend's van because he doesn't want to put that fucking body in his trunk. He's like, uh, "We're gonna sell this," and his son's like, "To who?" He's like, "The army, the circus, Johnny Carson. It's, somebody's gonna want to buy this shit." And as soon as his son leaves, that headless insect man attacks Daddy for an off-screen kill. All right, so we're 10 minutes into this movie and you've already got an exploding head and an off-screen kill. So you've got like these two very juxtaposed types of horror murders that you could see in a horror film or a horror movie in this case. Like like one's super graphic and the other is the cop-out, you know? It's kind of like, damn, movie, wh- where are you going? At least that's how I felt going into it. I'm going to save my thoughts on that part for the end on, on that that topic i guess Disneyland. Disneyland. elsewhere that night two detectives are talking about hawaiians killing each other over coconuts when their mark is spotted the female detective who we later find out is detective pierce ray don kong attempt, ray don kong appears to uh, attempts to arrest the mark on charges of rape murder and sodomy so he'd be butt fucking but he pulls a fucking knife i believe it's a switchblade and this is 91 it's close enough to the 80s this is officially now an 80s film and he takes a bystander hostage the hostage bites the man and gets away as the detective shoots him in the fucking leg so he goes down for the count and he's so fucking vulgar while doing it (laughs) yeah (laughs) he is dude's a fucking pervert we then see he's got the, the familiar- best like New York accent too, where you're just like, fuck this guy is great. We then see the familiar face of the drunk hunter from earlier as he stumbles out of the woods and into the road where he gets hit by a woman driving. 
she checks on him like, Mr. Mr. Please be okay. Please be okay. And offers to bring him to the hospital as she should at the very least. On the drive over, he finds a gun in her glove compartment along with some sunglasses that help protect his eyes from the headlights of passing cars. I, I didn't, I didn't quite get that. And they never really explain it in the whole movie. So he's got an affinity to, I guess I would say light and sound sensitivity. So I think that's supposed to portray his body struggling to adapt Ah, all the lights and all the sounds and everything. And that's what causes him. But this scene here with this little car ride that, that chick that it was done so well. I loved, I loved her, I guess her, her mannerisms and, She's so bubbly and ditzy yes. and yeah. It, it, it just, because like watching it, you're like, there's no way that ever happened, but it just fit in this movie because you're just like, I, you can't help but not laugh. Oh, hell yeah, man. Um, I, I think she, even though her performance is like, it's one of those, it, it just had to be that way performances. Like she, yeah. if she would have been any different, the scene probably wouldn't have worked as well because she's kind of annoying, but also in a weird way, kind of charming. Mm-hmm. Strange. It's strange. I, I thought, I thought, thought something more of, was going to come of it. I know. I thought she was going to end up dead, but nope, nope. Or uh, just in the movie again, but. <laughs> Meanwhile, the police are, in, I, th- I thought she did later with the band. I thought she was the videographer. That's what I thought. Okay. I'll I get you. to it. I'll, I'll get to it. Uh, meanwhile, the police are investigating the apparent homicide of the drunk dad who is now headless with his son in their custody. The driver eventually drops off uh, our insect man with the drunk dad's head at the hospital and rolls out without escorting him inside. But instead of going in, he just wanders off into the city's nightlife with some awesome 80s music in the background. And this this. I was aware that he was disoriented, but now that you, you put it, I, I guess I just didn't put it like, it didn't c- click in my head that way that he's adapting to earth. He's never been there. So all of this shit is fucking him up. Like the lights, the noise, like you said, um, New York city. Yeah, dude. I mean, it's fucking crazy. Back at the police station, Pierce and her partner, um, at this point in the film, they hadn't said their names yet. So I don't have it in my fucking notes. Pierce and his partner, are tasked with solving this uh, case of the headless hunter. And while walking through the sleazy streets, people are trying to sell our insect posing as a human drugs. Uh, some people are fucking in front of him. He gets hit in the head with a fucking bottle after some drunks stumble out of a bar fighting. And then he befriends a hobo who offers him some clothes and they just basically start hanging the fuck out. It, it, like, uh, I think I think we learn. I think now is where we learn that the creature calls himself Bob insect, Laney. Bob Laney, like he just had that name on tap. How did he know? Uh, we'll think, find out later how he knows. Oh yes, okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was I, I I I thought this aspect of the who wrote the script? You said Nessa Mason Nagy. Mason Nagy. Mm-hmm. You know what? I think they had a really cool idea on their hands with this film. I don't think. Well, I'll save that. But but yeah, they had a cool idea on their hands. The disoriented fucking aspect and and like knowing that human name offhand, blah, blah, blah. It all ties together. 
Donald Trump. Disneyland. The next morning, lines of sleeping homeless people are on the sidewalks outside of a mission waiting for breakfast. Among them, our insect man hero and his hobo buddy. Detectives Pierce and Krieger, we finally learned her partner's name, and he... Uh, Pierce, I want to say, is a, is a young woman, and, and Krieger is an older gentleman, so he's the had... He's, yep. Yeah, he's got more experience and stuff. Um, they're interrogating Kip, the son of the dead hunter, and he tells them everything about the night before, and they're just, I mean, he sounds crazy. He sounds they're, they're, crazy. They're in a mental hospital because he's in a straitjacket, I believe, during this scene. Yeah, uh, I, yeah, I think so. Um, he gets escorted away by an orderly because he's going off the hinges. And, um, or, they, or so they think. <laughs> I know, man, that poor fucking guy. He even says, I know, I sound crazy, right? Would it be better if I was crazy? Like, good <laughs> job for that young man. He, he I, I, I felt his performance a little bit in that scene. I was like, fuck yeah, I'd be pissed too, bro. Fuck yeah. I watched my, I like my, I watched some dude's head explode. My dad, I find headless. And now I'm fucking in a, in a, an insane asylum. What the kind of shit is that? Be literally getting fucked in an insane asylum. <laughs> Bob Laney and Julius, our hobo buddy, get uh, plenty of silverware and some nasty looking breakfast at the homeless shelter. This other bum walks up and he's asking for a dollar, which they don't have. That that that's where I got the the title of this. Man, I ain't Donald Trump. And hilarious. Um, There's it's like a 30 year old Donald Trump reference, and it's just. I, I can just imagine certain people watching this movie now and they're just like, fuck this, turn it off. Oh, wow. Well, yeah. That, well, I mean, a, you know, there are some out there. Yeah, like 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 most things involving that, that guy, it'd be a little bit much, but um, when refused the dollar, the new bum who popped up drops a dead fucking mouse into Bob's soup, and since he isn't accustomed to earth food, he just goes ahead and he eats it anyway. <laughs> it's fucking awesome. Pierce and Krieger visit the morgue and they talk to the coroner and uh, they're trying to figure out what happened to the hunter. The coroner speculates that animals may have taken the man's head away, so they're pretty much left without any leads. And later that night, Julius and his buddy, his ho all his hobo friends, along with Bob Laney, are on top of a roof somewhere, and Julius is raving about his love of the hobo life, not working some nine to five like everyone else out there, as they pass the pint of liquor around. Beethoven's fifth, Julius's pint. I love that little quote. When Bob has passed the pint, he takes a swig, uh, more like drinks it all, <laughs> and he starts to mutate again, and then squeezes Julius's head clean the fuck off his body. The other bum who had dropped the dead mouse starts fucking running, and Bob takes Julius's head as his own, and then eats some of his former friend as well. You get some fucking cannibalism in here, or zombie. Well, I, yeah, I thought zombie cannibal, but it, then I remembered. Oh wait, he's an insect dude. So, or I don't. Yeah, he's he's something. What what is the deal with him eating? Like he tries to eat the earth food. He even mimics Julius, like all his all the things he's doing to prep the the nasty hobo meal, where he pours the salt in. Um, he's trying to learn, but then it's like when this happens, he can't help but eat. Part of the body of, of his his victim because i okay. think he did it to the dad too yeah um there i i don't know i don't know 
And, and I, I'm, I'm going to save my thoughts on some of this stuff here for when I'm wrapping up to give my review, just because I don't want to go off on a huge side tangent here. What are your cat? At the hospital, the mark from earlier, Scully, is asking a guard for a cigarette and to use the toilet. He just wants to smoke while taking a shit, and I respect that so fucking much. <laughs> when refused by his guard, he asks for a bedpan, but he chokes the guard out, and uh, he rapes her. He straight up fucking rapes her. And while he's doing that, there's a news report on TV mentioning all the strange headless murders from the last two nights. Uh, so fucking well, weird Well, did scene. you catch before that, though, when they were having that argument, there was a news report, and it was saying, yes, Henry is an underrated something like that. So it was a throwback to McNaughton's previous film, Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. Oh, he's jacking himself off. Oh, yeah. What the hell? Bob or Julius now? Which is hilarious because if you think about it, it should be the exact same body that they made, I guess. They DNA, yes. yes. They made him in the spaceship to look like a human. So the only thing that should be changing is his head. And Julius was a black man and he's wearing his head, but all of a sudden he has white hands. (laughs) So I was like, oh, okay. All right. It's low budget. I'll, I'll let it pass. You mean all of a sudden he has black hands. That's what I said, right? No. Oh yes. He's got black hands now. Yeah. I just went with it. Fuck it. You know? But uh, he's at a cafe where a fucking shooting occurs and people like haul ass out of there. He just kind of, you know, aimlessly walks out after everybody else. Like he wasn't even phased by it. Just sitting there wasn't, yeah, wasn't phased at all. Uh, we, we jump back to Scully applying makeup and now wearing the guard's uniform as he leaves the room and the guard is naked and handcuffed to the bed. Pearson Krieger, they're talking about... Uh, or they're talking rather to the, the bum from earlier about Julius's murder and learn Bob's name, as well as the fact that Scully had escaped. Um, Bob's name is a big deal. And we'll, we'll find out uh, that it's the name of the dad from earlier. It's kind of the drunk hunter. So that's, that's why that's important. Uh, and what comes, uh, why that will come into play later. The next morning, Bob is humming Beethoven's fifth at the beach because he heard Julius do it. And he's watching planes and blimps fly by, just taking it all in, man, trying to experience something nice in this hellish existence. Because for him, it is. Uh It's pretty fucked up. Pierce meets with the guard, who she apparently knows, the next day in the hospital. And um, she manages to cheer her up. She's like, "Uh, do you need me to water your cat, feed your plants? (laughs) Gets her to laugh. Yeah, a little chuckle. And then she swears that she's going to fucking get Scully, dude. She's like, I'm going to get that motherfucker. And mm-hmm. I, I thought this scene was actually really touching, to be honest with you. Yeah. She goes there to see about her friend, man. And they dance around what happened to her a little bit. But you, you know what happened to her. In the next scene, the coroner shows Pierce the headless body of Julius and the head of Bob Laney, the drunk hunter and the father of Kip. She also reveals that they have discovered a different blood type in the head, different than that of Bob, and um, it's probably not human. So Bob Julius passes out after walking around for a while, 
and he gets brought to a hospital. But before he could be seen by the staff, he goes to the ER and witnesses two deaths and a man that's in a lot of pain because his broken leg kind of fell off this fucking uh <laughs> yeah the dude's like oh, what, what? <laughs> i'm like god damn dude he's walking through the brutality right now <laughs> yeah but he walks in like oh fuck yeah he walks in on a doctor fucking his nurse and, dr cheever tony amendola yeah. he's a g this guy look Everybody right now, go on IMDb and look up Tony Amendola. You probably are racking. You, you'll see him. You'll know who he is immediately. And you're like, what movie have I seen him in? And it's because he's been in a million character actor. Yeah, I, I, I loved his performance, actually. Um, and it goes on for a while because of what happens next. The doctor and nurse stop fucking and he tries to examine Bob. But uh, Bob starts to transform and then he takes the doctor's head for his own. You get this really cool silhouette shot when the nurse is coming door, back to, yeah. to the room. Yeah. I thought that was inventive, man. Hey, low budget, got to be inventive. And you know what? Seeing it done that way was fucking neat. It's and it creepy. was hilarious because the the creature just burst into this room. He's literally balls deep in this nurse and he plays it off. He's like, oh, all right. Well, what's wrong with you? I mean, he's like <laughs> literally stuffing his, his wiener inside of his pants and the nurse leaves and He's trying to examine the guy. It, 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 there's like no real sense of, of I, I don't know. I mean, you know, that's a thing. People do the, that in public places and leave the door unlocked just for that little, you know, your tense and, and the suspense that builds up. But I thought that was kind of funny. All the decorum is, is, is quickly brought back. He's like, oh, yes, let me be a doctor. I, I took an oath. Yeah. Um, so he tries to see about him and he loses his head over it. After this head transplant, the horny nurse comes back and finds this bizarre scene, screams, and faints. So Dr. Bob, he leaves in the dead doctor's car, somehow knowing how to drive a vehicle. Huh? Hmm? Mysterious. Mm -hmm. And he also nabs more sunglasses from that car's glove compartment. Lots of glove compartment sunglasses and shit in this yep. film. It's one of those where, where it's a throwback to a previous scene. Yeah. Pearson Krieger and there's a gun in there again too so pea shooters all around <laughs> Pearson Krieger speculate on whether or not the witness's story could be true that someone is out there from outer space ripping the fucking heads off of everyone and then they get called to the hospital to investigate the latest murder um I, I like the relationship between Pearson Krieger throughout this entire movie they they work and I want to say their performances, man, they're not bad. Like, no, I don't find I don't find really anyone in this movie to be particularly bad. Ironically enough, one of the top build actors that Radon Chong, I thought that she was a bit she was hamming up a bit in a couple of scenes. But you're right. It, it, it's again, they were trying to tackle so much in this 90 minute movie. And there was this underlying theme where I, I think that there was supposed to be something in the story as far as why she was paired with this, this older detective. And it's funny because if you think about it, these movies that we're talking about tonight, the borrower and skull, the mask are so similar where afterwards. And I was thinking, I was like almost combining the two of Beatrice from the first <laughs> um, with this, this one here, but I'm like, you know, maybe there's something we're missing as far as why they're paired up because 
there is one throwaway scene in this where she's almost trying to assert dominance. And it might just be something where, Hey, you know, you have a black cop in the nineties and she's young and she's trying to, you know, basically it's the guy peeing on the wall. You might be talking about that here. Yeah, I will. Uh, I think, I think that comes from, I think she has a history with Scully. I think she's been raped herself. And I think that a lot of her tension and wanting to prove herself comes from being a victim. They don't touch on it. They don't even hint at it. I'm speculating because of, you know, what, what, what her character is doing. So that that's kind of where like what you're talking about her 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 sensitivity and and like you said trying to assert dominance is because mm-hmm. she was a victim of something i think yeah. so could be the yeah. case nosebleed dr bob visits a sauna and starts to mimic the doctor uh, adapting it's more time out. and more time out time out i'm going to need you to say that again it's it's a sauna not a sauna sauna uh no and so adapting more and more <laughs> what the fuck god damn it god you, damn you it fucking, bobby you stickler for uh you're being a stickler tonight huh? you're gonna fucking fucking edit me i took these notes i spelled it right i think s-u-a-n-a um for you it should be s-o-w-n-a then you'll say it right all those finlanders out there are just rolling over in their grave stomping their feet right now because when it's only dead it's dead finlanders who are stomping their coffins and then and then the and then the ones that are alive are stomping their feet are they stomping their feet Um, in a song unless they're in a wheelchair then they're Huffing and puffing, and maybe. <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> I don't. I don't want to exclude anybody. The doctor returns home, and uh, inside we find that he is a serious sex addict with a crazy sex addiction. Uh, addiction. There's cameras. There's lingerie lying around. I'm like, this dude was a fucking freak. No wonder he was fucking his nurse and shit like that. And uh, he he also eats an uncooked egg whole. Pretty cool. Pretty cool scene. I do you think that egg was real? Yeah. I think it was real too. Yeah. I because I, I I could be wrong, but I thought I saw a little bit of yolk. You're you're right. You saw a little bit of something coming out of there. Mm-hmm. Maybe and, that's uh, why it was a two million dollar budget. Like half a million dollars of it was just on creating that fake <laughs> egg. <laughs> Worth <laughs> it. <laughs> oh. After watching his neighbors fight and argue, he lets a dog inside that clearly knows Dr. Bob is not his master. We get an interlude here of uh, some band playing an awesome fucking punk rock song. Kill you, kill, or no, he's like, fuck you, fuck me, fuck you, fuck me, fuck you, fuck, 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 fuck. And they're just jamming the fuck out. It's fucking ridiculous. This is the scene where jammers. (laughs) All jamming it up in there, cuz. This is the scene where I thought that the videographer, the female videographer, was the chick driving the car from earlier, but I could be wrong about that. But I thought and now you I got me trying who, to think about it too. Yeah, I thought that's who she was. Um, it'd be a, it'd be a funny quinky dink if it was. Yeah, 
And while, while they banter afterwards and they're watching the video of, of what they just performed, the singer leaves to spray some barking dog next door. But to everyone's shock, it's Bob with a fucking dog's head busting through the fucking <laughs> fence, attacking everybody. He tries to break in, but the camera girl quickly shoots him. And that seems to put his ass down. Um, Pierce has a nightmare about Scully raping her. huh? But wakes up to a phone call from Krieger and comes down to the house where Bob's dead body has become a monster. She's like, you have to send this right away to the, the coroner. They go to a bar after to vent and unwind a little bit. And on their way out, Pierce snaps on some drunk taking a piss in the parking lot, but Krieger calms her down. And after that, um, Scully tells them as they drive back to Pierce's house. So he's following them. Yeah, this is the scene you were talking about where she fucking goes off on this guy. He's like, I'm just taking a piss. And she fucking yells, this is my city. This is my You're... city. And and Krieger's like, God damn, man. Dogs pissing yeah. the street every day. Like, calm down. Calm down, bitch. I love when Hank Hill randomly, like, it's one episode where he, he, he he's talking about something, about a, a lady, and he pauses, and then he's like, bitch <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> so what do you what you got anything to say about this fucking dog head i mean come on dude the only thing that kind of pisses me off was because it was almost like they had during that scene it was almost like they had a connection because the dog goes in he kind of like sniffs him he's like he knows him like the doctor he, yeah. Yep. And then he was like, kind of growls a little bit. He's like, I don't know, but he put his paw up to shake it or something. But <laughs> I guess, I mean, it would have been cool to see that whole scene go down. Maybe they thought that they didn't have the budget for it or they didn't think they could do it effectively. No, no. But see, I, I like this. I like the surprise of it, though. Yes. Yes. They did to me. They did do it effectively because they cut from that to that band. And then, yep. then they hear the dog like, rawr, rawr, rawr. And then the singer goes over there, and then boom, bust through the monster. fence like the fucking Kool Aid Man. It was excellent. And lo looking like if if he'd have been wearing a clown suit, it would have been like a perfect homage to uh, the It mini series from the year prior. <laughs> totally. Shots! 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 Disneyland. As Pierce lays back down to sleep in her safety supposed safety of her own home scully breaks in with a fucking glass cutter like he's a, a cat woman or something here's his dog whines as he enters in through the door from the outside but he approaches scully and um picks the dog up and gives it a little kiss then puts it puts it outside this to me again is like that dog and him know each other a little bit because the dog goes up to him kisses it and puts it outside like they have a history so i think scully hmm. and um and uh pierce were together at some point this, this is just you think so I, I that that was over my head i'd never i didn't really think of that yeah i don't know i might have been looking into it a little bit but that's the way i saw it so he's stalking through the shadows approaching pierce's bed he opens his switchblade and then pierce shoots him in the chest from under her sheets, killing Scully. She got the motherfucker, bro. 
The next day, Pierce and Krieger are called in by the coroner who suspects the monster might still be alive. She is studying the creature's blood when it reanimates and rips her fucking head off. The detectives discover her eating another corpse in the morgue. Again, more fucking awesome. It's just flesh eating. And they shoot her. But the alien attack, uh, attaches the corpse's head to its body and attacks the detectives. After being shot an insane amount of times by the detectives um, and getting beaten with a fire extinguisher, the FBI intervene and they, in turn, start fucking shooting the alien. So just shots, 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 shots. It's yes. a shootout in this fucking morgue, bro. Yep. They they... Haul... Go ahead. They haul the body away to Pierce's dismay as she imagines the certain outcome. While transporting the alien's body, it reanimates yet again and rips the heads off of the agents, le leading to what could have been a sequel. Yeah. I've always had a fascination with spy movies and robbery type heist movies and when i saw him bust out that glass cutter there must have been just a span where in the 90s every movie used that like when's the last time you saw a movie where they used a glass cutter i mean i know that you don't have single pane windows and doors anymore for the most part but i saw that i was like god that's so cool i just it's like i need to get one of those just to fuck around with yeah, I, I, I too was like, God damn, I was impressed. I'm like, this motherfucker's sneaking in for, yep. for sure. He glass, he cuts it and he suctions it off. Were you badass. surprised that that's how that scene went down? Because I was, I was not expecting that. Um, yeah, like, no, I, 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 because she was so quiet and everything else. Yeah. When she just shot him straight up, yep. I sat up, I sat up in my seat and I was like, fuck yeah, bro. Fuck him. I, yep, I was expecting because they were building this character up the entire movie, and I was expecting a bit more of a kind of a final showdown. And she just like bam, fucking blasts him away, and you're like, okay, all right, that's that's over. Yeah, gets rid of it. And do you think that the the tease at the end? Do you think McNaughton was gonna want to make a sequel? No, I've got a theory on that because. I was, I was really, I, I was kind of disappointed with how it was being wrapped up. I was like, they better fucking do something. They better do something. This I'm pissed. So I think that was his way of wrapping it up because I think a lesser movie would have just left it at that. And it would have really frustrated a lot of people. So McNaughton is, you know, I think he had, well, we'll get into that, but I think that that was his way of kind of, giving a quote-unquote satisfying ending it was the last it was a stinger i get that for a horror movie but you know what i'm gonna be honest right now i kind of wish that her killing scully and then maybe having one final like that would have been the climax and then her having one final conversation with with uh krieger to end the film on a on a touching note or something like that where she's reclaimed herself she she's not afraid anymore i mean she's having nightmares about this dude fucking raping her and shit and when the film starts she's tracking him down she's after him she's actively after him so i feel like that's the her story and yes it, it it starts with the alien it ends with the alien but i'm not gonna lie dude if you would take krieger and um scully and pierce and have just like a cop 
show or cop film mm -hmm. with a mystery and all that or whatever the fuck it would have been or not a mystery it'd have been more like a an, a revenge film for scully with, with with the elements i'm saying incorporated in where they actually right. were dating i would like i would have liked to have seen that movie there were two movies going on in here okay so let's 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 get into this here because we're wrapping this up here and there yeah you you touched on a couple things i wanted to so let's let's talk about what this movie is and and what it isn't so this movie is just a spectacle of body horror the one thing that you didn't break up bring up and i'm hoping you were saving it was is how good the body horror was every mm -hmm. single time the creature was going to take another head you saw this bit of transformation you saw shit going on with the head and disformation you saw his hand was all kind of you know transforming into something else yeah yep it was it was almost like re, i mean reminded me of of a vampire or vampire werewolf transformation especially that first scene when we very very first see that transformation uh when you get bob and his son kip and you see him really like busting out of his shoes his feet and everything like you could tell that even though the alien race basically kind of you know what is it dolly the sheep fucking dna'd him into a human that his <laughs> alien dna was was trying to take over so they were constantly battling and he, he was trying to transform back into his original self so i mean this this movie was very very impressive in that respect it, it's david cronenberg had to have just had a chubby the whole time watching this because it's right up his alley one of the things that, I mean, besides the practical effects, um, I mean, we do got to talk about the cameo by Rickles in this. So what? Our, our friend of the show, uh, co-host of the nightclub, uh, Rickles, he was in this for a split second. He was the sweater vest wearing uh, Dr. Cheever. <laughs> Did you catch that? No, I mean, I didn't think of Ricky's sweater vest, but now that you bring it up, and if I ever watch this again, I will think Third of that. percent. <laughs> Yep, there was a split split second there when when the alien slash Dr. Cheever was changing shirts and there was Rickles in there. So I'd spot that sweater vest from a mile away. <laughs> all in all, though, there was just too much going on with the story. Tibu, were you on the Zombie Gem episode when we talked about Zombie Death House? No. Okay. I didn't think you were, but that's what I wrote down. That's what this movie is. So a little recap for our listeners that did listen to that and for Tibu that didn't. Zombie Death House was a movie. Spoil this shit for me? Should I watch it? No, it's not going to spoil the movie because essentially oh, okay. what it was right. is it was a movie that was written to be like a like a like kind of an action movie, but they reshot scenes and rewrote some script stuff and they threw zombies in the mix. And you can totally tell watching it. Uh, I got that exact same vibe with this movie because this movie had too much going on. There was way too many elements. There was way too many themes that were trying to get fleshed out in a 90 minute movie because a lot of it didn't make sense. It's it, the, the whole alien thing. Just, I, I didn't feel that it was wrapped up. It was kind of just lost you know, I, I felt like they were tr when and it, oh man, I, I don't want to try to get too deep here, but when I found that quote later on, this just further reinforced my thoughts on this because 
I think the script was kind of a mess and McNaughton and, and I'm guessing that Mason Nagy guy had to have been a buddy of his or something. They're trying to piece it together and they're trying to make it work, but the whole alien theme didn't really work because it was never really concluded. You got that tiny little stinger at the end, but after she shot and killed Scully, you're sitting there like, okay, like you're waiting and waiting. Like you got this buildup. How is this going to conclude? Is this a movie about an alien going down to earth or is this a movie about, you know, this cop procedural trying to hunt down this rapist serial killer kind of thing. So there is a lot going on in there, but I, I love the practical effects. It was phenomenal. The head explosion was 10 out of 10. The body horror was excellent. The kills were excellent. You didn't even bring up my favorite kill. The guy that was getting, you know, he had that huge titted chick just riding him in the car. Oh, wait, no. Scratch Whoa. that. That's, yeah, scratch that. Scratch out of that. that. Scratch that. These, uh, movies, uh, <laughs> these movies are so close. Um, but no, th- all of the kills that they did were 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 pretty excellent. Um, and again, I, I, I just loved how because I watched both of these today, and it was awesome watching them back to back because of how similar they were thematically, and yes, yeah, so. I don't want to spoil too much about the uh, the next one we're talking about, but I just had problems with the the story overall. It just was it was kind of a mess. It didn't really it did it didn't flesh itself out like I would hoped it to. So with that, I'm coming in at a six and a half out of ten. Okay, wow. Um, I'm also at a six and a half out of ten. And and you basically said every single thing I was going to say. Um, like I said, it has two movies going on inside of it. I kind of wish it would have wrapped up with the, 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 the Detective Pierce story more because the alien story to me felt secondary, even though it started the film. The, the body horror was an unexpected surprise. So, yes, uh, I, I'd waste time if I just kept going about it. You said everything that there is to say about that aspect of the film. I was impressed, especially thinking about the budget. Finding out it's a million more than I thought it was is a little surprising, but you mm-hmm. know, I, I but but that's that's fine. I don't know what it costs to, to do this shit. Um for those listening that haven't seen the movie and aren't going to see it, I, I do I'm gonna disagree with Tibu a bit in this and say that with how well the practical effects were done. Well, it that's was, where I it thought was the phenomenal. Whole, that's where I thought the whole million went. Obviously, they sure. shot on, they shot like in actual, you know, city area. I know that costs yeah. money. I, but that, that's what I'm saying. I don't know how much that costs. I thought most of the budget went to the practical effects. Yeah. And in the early 90s, a million bucks and practical effects, you can pull off what they're pulling off. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I mean, this the, even the practical effects, it's not like the thing. It's not like 10 out of 10 every time, but it's really fucking good. Surprisingly and, good. For a movie that no one's ever talked about, most people haven't seen outside of the hardcore horror fans. Yeah, this... This is... This, yeah, I, I think this is a movie that I, I give it some love. It's better than average. And it has room to grow. If I ever watch it again, I don't know if I will, but I might, I might revisit this one day. And I think if I do, it'll probably go up to a a seven. That's what I, I feel like it could be a seven, you know, 
Um, this is kind of my, my feelings on it, but thank you for bringing this to me because, and I know you hadn't seen it before either, or you, well, you didn't remember it, but yeah, I, my buddy says I did. And, and if he did, I probably did, but I was again, too many cocktails in to really mm-hmm. remember anything, but I appreciate it, man. Yeah. I really enjoy this, this is movie. one of those where I definitely would, it's really starting to rain out. So hopefully you guys can still hear me well, but this is definitely one of those movies where I would recommend just as a fun, like it, it's a spectacle of practical effects and body horror. If you're a Cronenberg fan, for sure. I mean, his movies are kind of the same thing where I'm going to get shit on for this, but the stories aren't always the tightest, but they've got some ex- excellent. I mean, that's what Cronenberg's known for, but if I'm being honest, I'm probably not going to come back and visit this unless I'm going to show it to friends or something like that. So, yeah, this is totally a party movie. I mean, you, you get some um, (laughs) slight spoilers, but I think, I think we both chose some fucking party movies tonight. This these are the types of films you, you get your buddies and, you know, and you have a few brews, maybe smoke a little bit, you know, if you're inclined, eat eat an edible an hour beforehand and, and um, do what we do here at the Joe Blow drive-in make yourself a fucking awesome night out of this double feature. All right. Anything else you want to say, finish up, wrap up with on the borrower from 1991. If you ever find yourself sharing a pint with some guy who has a very noticeable neck scar, um, you might want to fucking, you know, haul ass. Or you could just put a, a scarf on it like julius did i guess poor guy all he was trying to do is be nice and be a friend i know man i felt so bad for julius i really did i liked him a lot mm-hmm. I, I like i like we didn't talk about this but i like how the alien tries to mimic even his his way of speaking <laughs> just yeah the there fact. is there was some pretty funny dialogue in this for sure oh uh, yeah that 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 aspect i didn't want to touch on because we didn't really mention it so i'll say that um, the blood being found in the other person's head and how that all ties together, that's because when the alien takes this new head, they also take on the character, the character traits and, and the knowledge of the person they're taking. I think when it took the doctor's head, it's like, oh, I know how to drive a car now, you know. So oddly enough, he doesn't adapt the, the how to eat food aspect very well. Yeah. But and, and I don't think a lot of that was really fleshed out either, but. It's all right. It gave us the egg eating scene, so I'll take it. All right. Well, quick intermission here. Go uh, get your beer filled up. Grab some popcorn. Meet us back for the second double, fe- second of the double feature tonight. We'll be right back. Game does experiment. Se for de fato um artefato arqueológico, você disse que eles chamaram isso de quê? Ainga, ainga. Ibu, what are we uh, what are we watching next year, bud? 
this is Skull the Mask, a fucking 2021 hidden gem. I feel like what you said about the previous movie, that this is like only going to be seen by hardcore horror fans. This movie debuted on Shudder and it's uh, it's a foreign film. And I, I kind of feel like it's got already the same amount of like, or at least maybe we'll bring the same amount of clout to it i don't know let's see let's see how we feel give us some details about uh skull the mask yeah this somehow slipped under my radar i saw just over 100 movies last year horror movies and i this again i i try to hit all the ones on shutter and this one i missed it and i'm glad that you brought this forward but skull the mask is a 2021 movie this is not rated it's coming in at 90 minutes what do you think this got on the b on the B, since the borrower got a five, whatever, I'm going to say this got a 5.2 on the B. 6.7. Ooh. No, wait, wait, wait. 4.9. Oh. I was looking at the borrower. What do you think this got on Rotten Tomatoes? Wait, the borrower got a 6.7? No, I was looking at something. Son of a bitch. Oh. All right. It got 67% on Rotten Tomatoes. All right. I fucking read it backwards. Really? Sue me. Really? Yeah. Whoa. 67% okay. on Rotten Tomatoes and 4.9 on. I would have guessed in the I would have guessed in the 50s. Uh okay. kind of how I kind of how I give it the five. But yeah, wow. Nice, nice. This was written and directed by a pair of directors slash writers, Armando Fanseca and Capel Furman. This is South American, Brazilian to be exact. This is starring Tristan Aronovich as Nobuto, uh, Evo Miller as Tack, uh, Natalia Rodriguez as Beatrice, some other ones. There's a lot of film credits between these three, or I would say, you know, the main characters in this, but mostly it's going to be your South American uh, or, or, yeah, pretty much Brazilian type movies nothing i really recognize there is one oh gosh what was i forgot to write it down there was one show that a lot of them did and i can't remember what that is but um yeah this is kind of a gem this one was out for an entire year and then it was picked up by by shutter and that's kind of how it got its its wide release here so The film opens with an archival footage prologue taking place in the Amazonian rainforest in 1944. There's a military experiment going on where they're performing this ritual with the mask of Anhanga. I'm not going to pronounce some of this shit right, so give me a break. It is subtitled. The executioner of the pre-Columbian god Tahawan. This ritual involves a sacrifice in the form of a person and after a reluctant incantation is spoken, the sacrifice is then gutted, his blood and entrails poured on top of the mask, and one man attempts to wear the artifact when suddenly his head explodes, giving us a title card, <laughs> Skull the Mask. Bruh. Yes. Bruh. Yes. This is the other fucking head explosion. So both movies start with fucking head explosion. Like, come on. I was going to say, it's... I feel like we do this all the time when we pick our, our movies and we don't even intend to. It's, it's awesome. People are going to think we're lying, but we're not like, no, we don't, we're, not. we're not lying. We don't, we don't talk about this in advance. Um, Boss Tuna hadn't even seen this film. 
I hadn't seen the borrower. So how could we? I mean, right. honestly. This opening here, this got me right away. I watched this five-minute opening, and I was oh, like, oh. You have the, the, the spy, the spy uh, killing people or fucking kung fu fighting. Yep. Yes, yeah, that's I, what I wrote down. It's it's got a grainy like grindhouse type movie opening, but it's it's excessive gore, it's yes. kung fu, it's crime noir, gangster feel. It's that jazzy, <laughs> jazzy nineteen forties like crime noir. Like I'm like, come on, dude. I was like, yes, give it to me. This movie starts off like crazy awesome. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. The ritual aspect of it, they. To, to describe the ritual is to say that the sacrifice is uh, chained up or bound and they create a ring of fire with the mask on an altar. And this mask looks gnarly, man. It looks fucking awesome. Whoever designed it, A plus job. This thing looks better than, I don't know, like, like it, it's just fucking cool looking. And, and the, the gore effects, bruh, bruh. Yeah. If 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 I like the gore effects in the borrower, this one laps it for how well it's done. Oh, you want to talk about body horror in this film? Yes. Yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah. So, stellar fucking opening. Something foul in Sao Paulo. In modern times, the mask has been found, and it's been sent to Sao Paulo to be part of a museum. We meet Manco and Detective Beatrice, two characters whose lives will become intertwined by this mask. Manco receives a dismembered hand from Father Vasco, an item belonging to Manco's father, while Detective Beatrice is investigating these child abductions in Sao Paulo. The caretaker of the mask, I forget her name, oh, Galvani, arrives home to her wife, Lilla, but unbeknownst to them, something terrible is about to happen. So the movies the, at, at this point, like we get this all this, like a buildup of our characters, where the plot could possibly go. I think the meeting between Manco and Vasco definitely sets up like lore. It sets up some yeah. lore in this movie um, behind the mask. Like the opening already did, but this starts to really build it up and I, I don't know, man. Like, it, there's some slow scenes in this film. I'm gonna say off the bat, yep. there's some, there's some slow scenes, but I feel like the the character development pays off a bit, or at least establishing characters, because this movie's not a it's not as character heavy or character driven as uh, the borrower could potentially be. This movie's even less than that, except is, for Manco and Vasco. I liked. I liked certain character. I, I like the characters overall better in this one than I did yeah. in the previous movie. See, I guess I, I guess I would say I like I like Krieger and Pierce a lot. Um, I don't even know I don't even know Beatrice Beatrice's uh, partner's name. I don't even know his name. He's there. No, he's he, yeah. He's he's definitely not in this as much. It, it, this is more of a Beatrice show. Mm-hmm. But I liked her character quite a bit. Tack Balder, that guy was was. Hold on, just, hold on, we ain't got to him. Okay, okay, no, no, no. Um, but all that being said, another way that our movies cross over is that they involve detectives investigating all this shit. So 
I'm just jacking us off now. I'm 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 being like homeboy McNaughton with his Henry mention, just fucking squeezing him, squeezing it out right now for us. Mm-hmm. Every last little drop, every last drop. Astral bloodlust. After Galvani goes to bed, her wife Lilla, ever the curious one, opens the box that she had transported from the Amazonian rainforest containing the mask. It's twisted and demonic visage ensnares her to the point of lighting candles and setting an altar for a ritual of her own. Her dark fascination leads her to spilling her blood cut from her own hand by a dagger over the mysterious mask. She speaks the same incantation from the prologue and is transported to some astral plane of stars and blood. The ancient god residing there sends her back to her living room, but visions of her drowning in blood and interdimensional chest bursting plague her. Galvani awakens and finds her lover dead on the living room, on the living room floor and is attacked by something unseen. Okay. Movie's cosmic Bruh. as fuck. Bruh. Okay, when I first put this movie on back when it came out on Shudder, I was just hoping for something fun, something unique, whatever. And I was getting it. And then this scene happened. And I was like, holy shit, this is my, this is, when I think about cosmicism, I think about bud, uh, blood, yeah, bud, because I smoked the bud. Yeah, then I think about, I think about blood, bones, and stars. That's cosmic to me. That is like, and I'm saying that as an overall aesthetic, I'm like like blood and sinew wrapped around the skeleton made of stardust amongst the stars. That's like my deep-hearted, deep-rooted version of what I think of as cosmic. And this movie's imagery, when it comes to that, is amazing. And goddamn, like it, it, it blew me away. It blew me. And the whole, again, I love rituals. I love that kind of shit. So when I see that in a movie, and this movie just keeps giving it to me, these rituals being performed, it's it just I get a boner. I don't know what to say. I get a cosmic boner. Cool, little chubby chub chub there, buds. I get that T boo chub. T boo that chub. hog hogzilla. <laughs> hogzilla shred another pair of sweatpants. <laughs> what did you think of this scene, dude? Yeah, it, it's, I mean, this scene doesn't grab me nearly as much as you. I was still like riding a high, I was still riding the high of the previous opening. That's, that's my jam. Okay. Okay. Respect, respect. But what about the visuals, man? Like, oh yeah, it was, you didn't, you didn't ask me the budget. What's the budget of this shit? You didn't get it. Fuck if I know, dude, I couldn't find man. I, I was, I spent it. probably okay. 30 minutes trying to figure out. I, I couldn't find any trivia really. I couldn't. This movie was 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 how, locked up as as hard as the fucking mask was. I guess I don't know. How did they How did they pull this off? Because it looks like a blend of CGI for sure, but it mm-hmm. also looks like stop motion in some regards. I don't know. So the, the practical effects in this are even better than in the bar, like quite a bit better. Yeah. Yeah. Well. well I mean, we're, we're in a different time, I guess, but yeah, I don't know, but I, I do think shit. that pretty much every kill was hundred percent practical effects. I think there was some like, like you were saying some stop, 
stop motion, something or another. I mean, because you've got the hand we'll be talking about here in a minute. Well, no, no, I'm saying stop motion from the from the the cosmic scenes with the oh in the, in the, yeah, yeah yeah yeah. I felt I like because I I believe that the the entity the old god she encounters is uh, Tawahan or Ta Ta Awan. Yeah, and and it, dude, I just. Yeah, Do you know what that reminded know, me of was like Mortal Kombat for some reason. <laughs> it kind of looks man. like he looks like Shao Kahn. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was like, because you see that he's, a handful he's of times. He's like wearing a cinder block on his fucking head, and he's sitting atop an ancient like Aztec ruin or something. Like it's fucking mm. awesome, man. I, I I don't know. I dig the fuck out of that yeah. shit. I, I was just like I said for the first like 15, 20 minutes. I was like, I should have just rewatched that scene because I was like. Even even like nostalgic, it brought me back to watching Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom kind of shit. You know, you got like oh. the Nazis walking through the tunnels and shit like that, and going yeah. after. Yeah, dude, it's it's there was a lot of elements that were working really good for me. The missing artifact. The police searched the couple's home for clues as to what could be happening, including Beatrice. She's there. They conclude that the open empty box from the Amazon indicates a violent robbery. At that moment, a serious man named Tack Welder arrives and demands the whereabouts of his artifact. He explains to Beatrice that this is something incredibly important and he gets pissed off whenever he finds out that the mask is missing. He tasks Beatrice, excuse me, he tasks Beatrice with finding the artifact and as the crime scene crew cleans up all the blood and the uh, the sinew lying around, the unseen assailant appears, and it's the mask itself running around in a clear homage to John Carpenter's The Thing at ground level with spider legs that protrude from its head. It kills one of the men, piercing him through the chest, and brutally fucking attaches itself to the other man's face, played by, um, I'm going to get his name wrong, it's something junior, and I think he's a. I think this man is a professional wrestler, if I'm not mistaken. Okay, that that makes sense then. So there is a lot of things that were going on with the scene, and before I forget, let's talk about that first one because you were getting John Carpenter the Thing vibes when I was watching that camera angle, that first person camera angle with it kind of shooting around the room and everything. Evil Dad, dude. I was thinking of Evil Dad on that. I was. I was. I like that. I like that you got that. I'm glad you got that vibe. <laughs> Um, I get I, the only I say John Carpenter because of how the mask looks with the spider like legs sure. coming off its head. But for that for that camera view, you get you get a POV from the, the mask's perspective. I thought of Child's Play. Yeah. The yep. original. Yeah. That, that that's that's what what got me there. But yeah, dude, this thing is fucking running around killing motherfuckers. And now we have our villain, our slasher. Because this movie is a slasher, boy. Um, if you didn't know, and we get our villain. Here we, here we go. A dire warning. Later that night, Tack Welder is poring over pictures and documents related to the incident from 1944 and meets with Beatrice to discuss finding the mask. He gives her information on the mask and a credit card, I believe, to fund her separate investigation from from what her normal police work is that was a credit card right that's what i took it as yeah and and that was yeah. one other thing too i know you're in the middle of your thing here but no that that tack tack valder 
to give you an idea of what kind of cuck he is, he comes <laughs> off and, and you immediately hate him. And the first things out of his mouth are like, well, they're both dead. So your number one job needs to be to find my artifact. I mean, he doesn't give a fuck who killed him. He's like, find my artifact. Yeah. One of those typical, you know, I am important. The world revolves around me. He's got his little henchman with him. That's the strong silent type. Doesn't say much with the ponytail, like so stereotypical, but I loved it. He is Donald Trump. Trump. <laughs> <laughs> Um, elsewhere in sao paulo a couple are having some car sex when suddenly the man with the mask on it (laughs) what i said i feel like we talked about this a little bit already oh yeah the man with the mask on his face breaks in impels them both before using the woman's intestines to strangle her boyfriend get it before i keep going get it out of the way you love this scene huh I more than love this scene because yeah, let's just bitch. say this lady had such severe lower back problems that she this the, her her death was probably a release to her because <laughs> because she was she was stacked, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. yeah, man. Very very well done. And let's be honest here. I mean, we're in Brazil. Like the most beautiful women in the entire world are in and from Brazil. And let's step back a little bit further. Tibu didn't catch this, but I sure as hell did. One of the techs, one of the CSI techs or whatever in the previous thing was walking around and I'm like, man, like I'm, I might just have to call, call her over to my house to, to come get some DNA off my bed or something like that. Cause she was <laughs> thick. No, I Beautiful. didn't that. Oh yeah, dude. She, you didn't see that one chick walking around in the background. I was like, damn. Uh... No, no, I was focused on uh, all the blood. I love the blood. No, um, hey, it's blood boobs, and I mean, blood, blood beasts, and boobies. Yeah, man. Mm -hmm. Father Vasco, having learned of these killings and their nature, is approached by Manco about the return of Anhunga. Vasco is not a believer in this, so he's not sold on, on all this superstition, even though he's a priest. Um, this old god he denies and he also denies having the femur bone of tahawan right like isn't that where that manco goes there like hey man this thing's gonna be looking for this shit so should we is now a time or you've got a spot save where we talk a little bit about manco and his lineage we can yeah right now okay so so manco you find out that his dad was in the flashback of the previous, the opening, if you will. Yeah. The pro. And yeah. yep. So he's, I don't really know if he's just fell upon some hard times. He used to be part of the church. I take it. Mm. Something maybe possibly it's, it's kind well, of upon rewatch. The first time I watched this, I, I didn't catch it, but um, I, th- I, I assumed they were brothers. I don't know why, but I assumed they were brothers. Oh, really? Had a, Never, yeah, and that, but they're not though, they're not for oh, everyone okay. listening, they're not brothers. But I thought they were, and I, I so when I rewatched this film for this review, I was surprised to find out they weren't brothers, and that kind of it took away a little bit of the, the, the backstory for me. I was like, oh, I thought they were related, and that's why they know about this and disagree on it, whatever. Like, you know, it, blood brother feud, yeah. Shit. I, I didn't, I didn't get that they were brothers, but they had 
some history together. And I thought that Manko was a part of the church or something. But where I was going with this is that something happened to him. He fell upon hard times because in a previous scene, you, he, the, the, the father comes in and kind of confronts him and gives him a couple things or whatever, like a folder. And he makes a comment and he's like, I want the rest of my father's stuff. And he's like, well, what are you going to do? Just put it in your tiny rental shack somewhere. So Manko mm. must have fallen apart in hard times or had a falling out or something. And it, he feels it's his duty. It's his right. It's his lineage to protect ultimately all like the mask and all this, this type of stuff. And that's kind of where you get that. It's a good dichotomy between the, the father and with Manko. Yeah. Manko is like, he, he warns him if this bone is in fact in your church and Hunga will come for it. And he leaves behind that dismembered hand that he received from him earlier. So it's his father's hand. Yeah. He, he's kind of trying to help him out, yep. but uh, we'll see how that goes killing spree the movie cuts to three drug dealers working in some dirty crappy little shack and then Anhanga crashes through bullets have no effect on him as they attempt to shoot him and with brute force he murders all three men we see a vision of a skull carved into a wheel blood trickling down on it causing it to turn this is the second time we see this by the way we saw it earlier i i failed to mention so something cosmic is going on here with some blood and some shit that we don't even fucking see or know about i love it seemingly meaning that this blood spill is leading to something right so beatrice watching the archival footage that she received from uh velder it's velder right he's german velder tack valder check uh, Tech Valder. I, I've been saying welder. Um, well, it's funny because there is a Tech Welder. Yeah, well, that's a thing. Big Tig. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm not a welder myself, but I do know I do know uh, those terms. And um, she visits the already numerous crime scenes where all of the victims have had their guts ripped out and their hearts removed. Outside of this poppin' nightclub, we get an amazing face rip when Anga peels the flesh from some man's skull he proceeds to enter the nightclub and massacres a lot of fucking people inside heads are stabbed stomachs are slashed people get body slammed choke slammed more hearts are ripped out and the turning skull carved into the fucking rock or whatever is now soaked in blood this shit this scene again I'm like damn movie you're just doing awesome like i love the setting i love the lighting i love like the overall just chaos of this scene and 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 where it goes and how they incorporate all these wrestling moves man i'm like god damn so i think the guy was i i i have a vague recollection of reading about this movie and and seeing that the the actor who portrayed skull or Anhanga, um, if I'm, I'm sorry if I'm not saying that right for this review. I really apologize to anyone who's listening that knows how to say that shit for real. But um, I think the actor portraying him might have been a professional wrestler. Yeah, that, yeah, I, I think, I think that's the case. 
So when, when the scene opens up that we're discussing and you do have the drug dealer scene and he like busts through the wall, this is where he picks up his weapon. You know, every good slasher movie, especially is going to be pretty much defined by its weapon. You know, this happens to be this crazy, awesome machete looking thing. One of the best kills too. He, he comes down and just crushes this guy's head. But the best part is, is it glanced off of his skull and it like peeled half of his fucking face off. So his face is like peeled over. I was like, that's, that's killer. Also too, I watched the first one. I watched the borrower really early this morning. I was up at like six or six 30 and watched that before anyone else was up. And I started this one here. And by this point in the movie, my daughter had just gotten up and she is pretty my son loves wrestling but my daughter is even more into it than him so it's in the the nightclub scene and they're all wearing these masks and these luchador masks and my daughter's like dad are you watching wrestling and i'm like uh no you need to go watch your 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 salmon cat or whatever the hell she was watching (laughs) because she saw the luchador mask or whatever and i was like i turned her away just before the yeah because he like shoots out his intestines and is strangling and cutting people and shit but oh she was she was in for a surprise and she stood there for another couple seconds shot baby i'm glad she well did she or did she not see it no nope i was like why don't you go and uh we have like a little addition like a sunroom thing i was was like why don't you go back in there and watch your set she's obsessed with that salmon cat show so she was in there doing that but yeah yeah, good thing. Good thing. She don't need to see that shit. No. Not right now. Not right now. A sword in the church. Beatrice sees Manco lurking outside around the nightclub the next day, and she chases him down because at this point, he is the suspect based on all the documents that she's been looking at given to her by a uh, elder. Um, right? No. I said it wrong Jack, again. Jack Valder. I think it's Valder. Valder. God damn it. You you know the story huh. about um why there's so many German German type names down in South America? Well, yeah, Including they all fled Nazis. to Arge- yeah. Argentina, yeah. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Come on, bro. Come all on, right. bro. All right. We you know what? We haven't covered conspiracies yet on the nightclub. Well, to a degree we have in a certain extent, but that's always been one of my missions was to talk about conspiracies. And that's, that's a big one. That's a big one. Um, Hitler might've lived. That's all I'm saying. So at his for at his church, father Vasco is uh, examining the hand that Manco left behind for him. When it suddenly twitches, he drops it and it turns by itself, pointing him in the direction of the approaching and and hunger. Sorry. The monster enters the church, and Vasco removes a sword from the arm of a statue of Jesus. No, it was a crucifix. It Dude, was a big yes, yes, big crucifix. Yes, yes. that shit is so badass. And yep. then they have a duel, silhouettes against a grand glass mural that spills out into the graveyard. And though Vasco fights bravely, he's eventually fucking smashed by a headstone. Before Anhanga can kill him, however, he's called away by the old god Tahawan from the astral plane. How awesome is the fucking cinematography in this scene? Epic 
priest battle. Bro. It was, it was yes. I literally yes. wrote down epic priest battle. This shit was fucking dope. Like, this is... If I'd have been filming this, the whole thing, like, there's... Ah, oh, man. So good. It's so good. I don't know. If you have not... You have not seen Skull of the Mask by now, and you're you're listening to us talk about it. Please go watch it on Shutter. Yeah. To uh, Tebow, I got a question for you. I am. I know. Well, have you ever seen, played, or heard of the game Army of Two on Xbox? No, no, no. So I know a ton of our fans are like, "Oh yeah, yeah." Okay, so the two guys. It, it's basically two guys. They're military. It's it's a it's a shoot 'em up game, but. They wear these fucking killer masks and it's the exact same mask that, uh, that one, I don't think it was worn by, uh, Beatrice with the raid, but do you remember that, that like metallic kind of white mask that was being worn, uh, at the raid in Manko's house that, that reminded me exactly of the masks that were in that video game. I was like, Oh, that's cool as hell. There's gotta be some kind of tie in there. Oh man, maybe. I mean, yeah, I hadn't thought of that, but because uh, well, because I don't know the fucking game. <laughs> of course, I hadn't thought of it. I'll I'll, I'll send you I'll send you a picture when you go when you talk about the next scene. The femur. The police try to capture Manco, who is shot in the stomach by Beatrice as he flees. Pretty fucking shocking, by the way. I want to say how easily she fucking shoots him. Um. Uh, it took me by surprise yeah um determined to continue his mission manco goes to vasco's church and finds him dead inside then retrieves something from a box by the altar it turns out to be the number of a secret storage unit in one of the mausoleums or maybe not mausoleum but like an underground grave is what it appears to be and i don't know what you call that but uh that that's what it is and Manco finds a canister and then Ankaha finds him. Anhunga. I keep fucking that up. Anhunga. Anhunga. Thinking quickly, Manco reveals its contents, the femur of Tahawan. And he tries shooting the approaching killer. This seems to have some effect on him as, as it did not earlier, and I think it's because he has that bone. Beatrice and another officer, uh, her partner, again, don't know his name, happens to pass by Anga, and they try to kill him, but he kills the other officer, and Beatrice drives away to get some deadlier firepower. A lot of this plays out really quick. This movie's an hour and a half, so that's why if my if my breakdown sounds kind of fucking jumbled together, it's because the scenes are just slap cut together like that. Yeah. Some films are like this. Um, the Borrow was kind of like this, too. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and, and I'm going to talk about that here in a few minutes as well, too. But a couple things with the scene that one thing I thought was really cool and clever. And one thing that just I just catch that kind of bothers me. But he wasn't shot in the stomach. He was shot in his right lung. And that's one thing I thought of that. I was like, OK, he's shot in his lung. It did not slow him down one bit. I'm like, come on. Oh, oh, oh. Well, that being said, he plugs it with something. Okay, so that's the other thing. That's the other thing I wrote because he's walking down the street bleeding out and he kind of mugs this lady, grabs her purse. He pulls out a tampon 
and shoves oh. it in, which I thought was I really creative. I mean, it really I didn't was. Even catch that, yeah, yeah, yeah. He shoves a tampon in the bullet wound to absorb all the blood. But I'm like, okay, well, you were shot in the lung. Like that was not your stomach, dude. That's yeah, you're 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 dead. But it's funny because I thought of Mark Nato and when we covered exorcism at sixty thousand feet. I was like, the tampons, oh, that's yes. the only other tampon. But if you think about it, out of all the movies I've seen, horror or action wise, like I've never seen a tampon be used like that. I was like, that's really clever. <laughs> a ritual of flames. That night, Manko sets a femur bone in a circle of gasoline. That femur bone, the one of the old god Tahawan, luring Anga to his whereabouts in some rundown part of the city. He ignites the ring and the fire goes up. And he also, with a flamethrower, ignites several barrels of this fluid, trying to fight off this abomination. They go blow for blow after the explosion, but Manco removes the creature's heart while speaking his own incantation. And Tahawan opens a portal to his cosmic realm of stars and blood nearly swallowing up Manco, but he escapes as the portal closes. Beatrice shows up with her shotgun and kills some man that Task Valder. I keep fucking that up. Tack Valder. Um, so this is, yeah, well, finish the scene. I'll chime in. Yeah, uh, Tack Valder had dispatched this man earlier to find the mask. The two return with the mask attack, and at its presentational debut exhibition, he meets with Beatrice privately. She tries to warn him against using the power of the masks. There could be more masks, by the way, that were revealed that. But he counters her by offering her a job, and she counters him by shooting him in the head. Because it turns out he's been involved in a case she's been investigating involving a lot of missing kids that, if I'm not mistaken... They're the potential sacrifices for this mask. Yes, yes. Yeah. So she figures that out while learning, like while using all his resources. And she takes him the fuck out, plants a gun on him. And there you go. That's how that happens. And before the film ends, we see Manco now wearing the dismembered hand of his father around his neck. And it twitches, foretelling the coming doom of another killing spree to resurrect Tahawan. Okay, that's so the movie, man. That's the movie. So if if there's main characters in this movie, there's what four of them? I would say the one that we really yeah. haven't been talking much about, excuse me, is Tack Valder's um right hand man, I guess you'd say. It's the guy that yeah. I brought up earlier with the, yeah. the ponytail, the slick back hair. He's kind of like the silent, he, you know, does whatever Tack Valder tells him to. And he gets his comeuppance here at the end where he takes his shirt off and he's jacked and <laughs> meets his end with the shotgun slug, 12, 12 gauge barrel to the face kind of thing. No, he does not take his shirt off. He's wearing a fucking, uh, a, he's got a, a white beater on. Vest. Yeah. That's what and I'm saying. He's got a white beater on, but yeah, you see his, uh, you see, that's what I'm saying is he's, he's got, he's got his gun, you know, big dude, right. whatever strong. Yeah. So 
this movie is is a lot a lot a lot like the last one we saw in i i don't nearly have as as many nitpicks or problems with this as the last one but the one i do have again is the muddled story so coming into this i knew that this was going to be the second time you saw it and i was hoping that a lot of my questions would be answered by you but i can tell just from the conversation we've had that you are still a little confused or or Oh, well, I don't know. On, well, got, okay. So when you're asking about the stuff with the kids, so there's a backstory with Beatrice and there is a little throwaway scene again, where she's got that flashback and she's the, doing some initiation. Well, you also hear the kids begging to see their mom whenever uh, Balder is doing something. I left that part out to, to, to wrap it up at the end because those to me were subtle plot details that, I was going to bring up at the end where, where it's like the whole time she's been investigating all these missing kids and he's Valder is begging her like, fuck them and fuck your other shit. Find my mask because he just wants to, I don't know why, even in the intro to the movie, I want to, I want to tell everyone there's some old white dude that's just smiling like a freak in the prologue while yep. this, this on like a, like a, like a throne almost watching the whole thing go down. Yeah, it's like it's like these weird German white guys want to fucking resurrect this ancient fucking South American god that has nothing for them. I don't know what they're doing this for. Like, okay, so let's go ahead. That's not explained. It's not explained. Okay, well, let's bring this back a little bit further because if it wasn't meant to be thought of, there would be scenes that would have been cut completely. So let's go back to the fact that there was something that had happened with Beatrice. There was that one flashback where she was, and maybe it's just because it's a foreign film and we're trying to read subtitles and maybe it wasn't translated properly or, or we just didn't get it. But you seeing it twice makes me believe that there's, there's an issue at hand here because there is something going on with her. There was, I mean, the scene basically showed her killing a little girl that had a gun in it. And oh, because she 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 was part of uh, this. The task. I left, I, yeah, I left some of this yep. out because it didn't play into the whole film's aspect. Why have necessarily. it? I, I agree. I agree with you. I, I'm just trying to explain it since sure. you're asking about it. But yeah, she she's got just like our female protagonist in the previous film. She has some background that we're sort of privy to but it's not fully explained but it it's gives not you really fleshed out yeah and it just left some confusion when you're trying to tie things all together because i do think that the one problem with this is how they try to tie all this together because there's a lot going on there's a lot of 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 i guess storylines you're trying to piece together and it does leave a lot up to the imagination where yeah you do figure but part of it too is like you know they talk about this Chinese company multiple times, you know, what's yeah, well, the, that's what Valder, he owns it. He's well, he doesn't own it. Yes. He's, no, he no, works, yeah, he's the, he's the CEO. He he's owns the it. CEO. Yes. But there's people that he, because he was talking about when he was going off on his, on his diatribe there at the end, he's got people that he's got to report to is well, of course, to. just because he's the owner of a company doesn't mean he doesn't answer answer to some yeah. like black magic occult daddy. But you, but, you know, yeah. and, and that's me. I'm the black magic occult daddy, and I needed those kids to fucking die to resurrect yep. Tahawan. All right. Um, and Beatrice 
was part of a task force. She had to do drugs. She was forced to fucking do drugs, and she shot a kid that also brandished a gun. So did they did they brandish a gun or was that planted? They don't tell you. Mm, so yeah, no, that's that's. I don't know. It's 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 left, but that but in some in some regards. So again, these films being similar, uh, both our female protagonists have these troubled backstories that were not fully explained. Yeah. So I wish they were though. I, I wish. Right. 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 I mean, I this movie was was a great slasher that could have been even better if they just you know keep it simple, stupid that that kind of thing. I appreciate all of the elements they're trying to put into this here, but they just didn't do a good job executing it at the very end. I agree and disagree to an extent. I, I don't think they should have kept it simple. This movie is complicated. There's a lot going on. Well, I give us another 20 minutes to hash out some of these, these themes. I think it should have had a longer runtime. That's what I was about to say. It should have been an hour 40 instead of an hour 30. Like give us 10 more minutes of backstory, yep. do something. Yep. Um, so I, since I picked this movie, I'll come in with my final thoughts and ratings. The gore is phenomenal. Um, straight up, we, we've talked about it already. But I love the imagery in this movie. The, 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 the cinematography is, is, they knew what they were doing. They knew what they were doing. And whatever the budget was, fuck it. Uh, I love the wrestling aspects, the body <laughs> slams and all that shit, clotheslines and whatever. Chidori! Fuck yes, dude. That shit just again another. I got a wrestling boner. I got a lucha boner. Lucha I got boner. I got the undercard of WCW in the nineties that actually blew that company the fuck up. On top of the NWO storyline, if were it not for the cruiserweights back then, WCW's undercard would have bored people over to the WWF, and they would not have had eighty three weeks of reigning supreme. So this movie is a, is a testament to that too. I'm just gonna throw it out there for fuck's sake. Um, the cosmic blood stars imagery just completely. I don't. It enraptures me completely. I don't. I don't think another movie does it in that way. That I'm like, yes, man, this is what I want to see. I want. I want more of that. I want more of these ancient gods and these astral planes interacting with human shit. I pictured that that's some evil dead shit happening yeah. when they, when they possess the bodies, the Kandarian demon is in this other world of blood and stars, just fucking. Why wouldn't you just throw the Necronomicon in this? That would have been awesome. Give yeah, us, give us a yeah. book of the dead. We had a, we had a dagger uh, just like an evil dead. So yeah, give us a book. We got a mask now. You know what? We have archival footage, which is the equivalent of a tape recorder. Good. Mm-hmm. We're, we're, we're good to go um yeah man do uh do i think this movie it could it could have been better but so this did not make my top 20 of our our list this past year but it could have easily because i started out with an eight out of ten on that list this movie is an eight out of ten for me i got a lot of love for this movie and I could switch it out probably with my number 20 pick. I don't remember what it was. I'd have to look at my list. I don't remember offhand, but I probably could have switched it out. I think I did. I think it was it honorable... chapter two. No, it was not that. Oh, okay. I think I, that was from 2020 and that was in the top five. <laughs> I gave, I gave this movie an honorable mention if I'm not mistaken. And if I didn't, then, then I sinned because this movie needs to be seen. This is a great fucking movie. 
that's made by some I, I I assume some indie folk. I mean, I say indie, but they're in they're in Brazil. Maybe down there, they're mainstream. I don't know. I'm but guessing this a- had a fairly healthy budget because it had a lot of well-known actors of well in Brazil, and it was scored well. It was very well acted, and the practical effects were top notch. So I'm guessing it, it had a pretty decent budget. Five five million maybe. Uh, I don't know. Four, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know where it goes. <laughs> uh, but yeah, eight out of ten from from Tibu for Skull the Mask. So I'll give my final thoughts and rating here. I'm gonna have you look at that picture I sent you. Of I did, I did, okay. I did, and and I agree. Yes, yes, yeah. yes, I saw it in the text. So again, this wrapping this movie up here, this is a slasher movie that has a lot of elements, cosmic being a big one of them, bit of a police procedural. I like the characters. I like the arcs of the characters. One thing we didn't really touch on was Beatrice did have a pretty good, uh, I don't know if you'd call it an arc, but she kind of was unraveled because you didn't, you didn't really get a lot of backstory with her, but you got to see her character grow a little bit because there was a scene where Tack Valder was really pushing he was trying to get his hooks in her trying from the very beginning yeah you know kind of wanting her to work with him and and ultimately halfway through the movie he gave her a big a dossier of of manco and extra money and stuff in there and and he was kind of grooming her to work so watching the movie you know when they got to that end scene Although I knew that she wasn't going to work with him, it did surprise me when she put that bullet between his eyes because I thought that that but, shit was so fucking awesome. Yeah. But part of it too was is is do you think that she did that because she saw on his yes monitor yes. that the kids yeah yes. so I wonder how that would have played out had that not been the case you know if she would have kind of you think she would have been corrupted I don't know if she would have been corrupted but I think she would have like stuck around to see what was going on mm-hmm. um you know so further investigate yeah yeah right, i agree right. i agree with that right. more so than corrupted yeah because i mean she had to go to him she tried to do the legal option of taking down what she thought was the criminal which was Manko, and she called him and she's like i cannot do this by legal means i need your help kind of thing but this movie is is built upon the foundation is phenomenal practical effects the kills were excellent my favorite being what i called the big titty uh car fuck kill. <laughs> and that was awesome the intestine the intestine strangling yes there is intestinal strangulation there was machete face peeler <laughs> there was just it was it was it was awesome it was just really fun but i do agree that there were some parts where it i don't want to say it drugged but it, it did it, just, it did it, it, yeah a little it, bit but it, it kept did. you yeah it kept you like okay what's gonna happen next and it and it delivered yeah. for sure but yeah all in all I'm, I'm coming in at and i swear to god i had this written down earlier today i'm coming in at a 7.75 so so close to an eight Ooh. this movie would be a lot higher and the rewatchability is there for sure because i do think that i would get more maybe maybe it doesn't really outwardly display it watching the film, but I think that if I watch it again, my brain would start to put pieces together and in a way that I would like to think it happened Mm -hmm. with some backstory elements and whatnot, but 
No, 7.75 for Boss Tuna, 8 for Tibu, Skull the Mask. Check it out. Obviously, this is this is uh this is almost love a it. banger. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, I would say it's a banger. I'd say that again, this is the type of film you get your your friends together and you guys just have a good time. Yes. And yeah. do it with both the borrower and Skull the Mask. Like yes, watch it, him, it's watch a great both. double feature that we did not intend to have. It's a great, <laughs> great double feature. And, and I don't know, we, I feel like we didn't talk about how cool the killer was enough either. Just this big hulking CSI guy <laughs> roaming around. Oh yeah. It was, well, I, yeah. I said that the mask itself looks dope enough. His costume, he's just wearing this white costume at first, but as the film goes on, he slowly fucking just, it gets blood soaked as the yes, film goes on. Soaked. And by by the confrontation, the confrontational scenes towards the end with Manco, there's this weird, like snake-like entity wrapping itself around him and digging into his flesh, and that shit is unexplained, like a lot of stuff in this movie. But it works towards the the ambiguous mystery and lore of what the fuck is this shit we we don't understand. That's the cosmic yeah. aspect. Yeah. This is a cosmic slasher film that. Damn, it delivered. I wish I would have. Ah, I feel like it should have been in my top twenty, but I I went with what I went with. So you know, it's okay because we're we're giving it, it its due. We're giving it yeah. due right now. Yeah, yeah. Just gutting people's hearts out and the blood. It was <laughs> it was it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun for so sure. much fucking fun. Hell yeah, dude. Anything you want to leave our listeners with? As we wrap up Skull the Mask. If your friend ever comes to you and says, Hey man, I got this dismembered hand and it's gonna point you in the direction of this killer that's coming here. Don't grab the sword of Jesus, grab the femur of Tahawan. This is the spot of the show where I would typically say, I hope it was as good for you as it was for us. Boom. But as previously promised. We're coming into spring, and that means we are going to do another franchise review. We did Summer of the Dead last year. It was supposed to be our summer show, but it was also our fall show and our winter show. (laughs) It's not going to bleed into winter this time, I promise. Um, I've chosen, because Boss Tuna chose our franchise last year, and I think, well, we kind of cumulatively chose that franchise i'd mm-hmm. say yeah you were you were kind of giving me the you know the 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 careless whispers in my ear about yeah to watch and review all that and i'm so glad we did and george romero is a master mm-hmm. um but this year we're gonna do a shorter franchise and we're gonna do something that boston hates because fuck him and that's how we're gonna roll we're going from zombie to supernatural. All right. Not hates. You don't hate supernatural, but it's not your favorite. But this year is the summer of the conjuring. That's right. Oh, we're going to cover the conjuring, the conjuring two and the conjuring. The devil made me do it. Best subtitle to a film ever. Not really, but maybe, I don't know. What do you think about that, Boss Tuna? You want to you venture into the land of the conjuring? 
I want to venture into the land of the conjuring because I've never seen the second one or the third one. Oh, this is awesome. Let, Let me take that back. I may have seen the second one, but I do not remember it one bit. Mm-hmm. So I'm pumped. All right. All right. So there you go, listeners. This year, it is the summer of the conjuring. We're going to fucking resurrect some fucking shit, some Ooh. evil shit. It's going to fucking be a ghost story up in this, up in the Joe Blow Horror up in this show. Bitch. <laughs> All right. Is that, does that mean we have to watch Malignant? Please tell me no. What? No, okay, that's, that's not part of the Conjuring series, but goddamn, I'd love to cover that movie. Oh, nice. hell yeah. All right. The summer. Yeah, this... Made by Maestro James Wan. I, I got to throw that out there. Yes, this, these are uh, two films directed by James Wan. The third, uh, not directed by, but he handed it off to somebody. So, um, But it's all the same franchise, and it takes part in the Conjuring universe. We're not doing all those films. That would be hella too much. Uh, fuck all that. And I don't even want to watch some of the movies in that universe. We'll probably talk about that when we cover the films. Very nice. Very nice. The Summer of the Conjuring. I'm pumped. We hope you guys enjoyed this, this episode here. Stay tuned because next episode we are going to be covering. All right, Tibu, you have the quote unquote old movie this week. What are we going to be covering next episode? A movie I've never even seen. It's called Possession from 1981. A brilliant year for horror films. I think mm-hmm. it's 1981. I'm going off the top of my head, my memory. Okay. If it's not that, then I'm sorry, but it's called Possession. Just and Possession, not The Possession? No, not The Possession. Okay. Just Possession. Okay. I've never seen it, and I've I, I'm just curious because I've heard rumblings that this is a really good movie that's been overlooked. So I want to check this movie out and I think we should uh, see it and talk about it. There you go. Bitch. Bitch. <laughs> <laughs> the movie that Boss Tuna is going to pick is going to come with a little bit of a preface. So first thing I'm going to say is that this isn't necessarily a, a typical horror movie. I will say that it is fringe horror. And this was also, I want to say it was like my number two or three movie of 2018. Oh, so this was really, really high up. And this is called hold the dark. Tibu, have you seen hold the dark? No, no, I have not. Have you heard of it? I have. Okay. But I, but I don't know shit about it. Okay, let's keep it that way. And that goes for you too, listeners. Hold the Dark. If you haven't seen it, it is or was a Netflix original. It should still be on Netflix. Oh, Oh. no, no, no. I'm thinking, uh, no, I thought of a different movie. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's not what I, I thought of uh, The Night Comes or The Night. It Comes at Night. Yeah, yeah. I thought of that. That, Yeah, not not that. that movie not that it's not, not that. that and i will say again i, I you know for a gate gatekeepers out there it's not typical horror a lot of people would probably say it's really not horror but it's horrific enough where i am going to put it in the episode so episode i believe it's gonna be 68 or 69 you're gonna be hearing us talk about possession <laughs> from 1981 and hold the dark from 2018 do me a favor if you haven't seen this movie, watch it. 
don't read any plot synopsis or anything like that and join us for the conversation we'll be covering oh, yeah, this here next so and this is this is awesome i love with it with that i hope it was as good for you as it was for us bitch oh <laughs> <laughs> boom bitch <laughs> that was incredible is it good for you <laughs> i've had better Thank <laughs> you.